Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number two for Sunday, December 2nd. Well, we are off to a great start to see the imperfections of the early church. Um, we are looking at Paul and Barnabas, and the lesson is entitled Restored Friendship. And of course, you will, you will glean a lot because this lesson deals with something um, that I think every church has, the tension of leadership and leaders. Every leader thinks differently. Every leader has a different temperament. Every leader has a different background and a different way of reacting and relating to things. And when you have that kind of, that level of difference, it is expected to have misunderstandings, disagreements, tension. Um, one of the things that the lesson brings is, you know, the necessity of humility. Um, it doesn't say it in the lesson, but I glean that. I, I see that. Um, I, I wrote a question down, right? Who is qualified? Who is qualified for the ministry? Who is qualified for to be a pastor? Who is qualified to be an elder or a deacon, a Sabbath school teacher? Who is qualified to be a leader in any ministry of the church? Think about that question. Are you qualified? The lesson has a powerful statement in one of the paragraphs. It says, the apostle who preached grace needed to extend grace to a young preacher who had disappointed him. The apostle of forgiveness needed to forgive. You know, that made me think of a, a danger of forgetting. Forgetting the answer, the true answer to that question, who is qualified? Are you qualified? When we judge others harshly, it's almost like the implied statement or the implied belief, inner belief that I am qualified, you are not. Or I am qualified and I am the standard and you fall short of that. And Paul was a human being. Sometimes I even realized when I read this, part of the discomfort is realizing that I have placed Paul in a place where the Bible does not place him beyond the need of growth himself. Paul was not static in his experience. Though Paul saw Jesus, though Paul was called personally by Jesus, the glorified Christ, and though Paul was shown amazing things that human language, you know, fell short of being able to convey what he saw, in spite of all of that, Paul was still a human being like you and I. Prophet Elijah uh, says the same thing, you know, in, in the book of James, he was a man with like passions like, like us. Um, so what we began to look at yesterday, you know, the reality check of church, the reality check of you as a leader, who is qualified? Qualified enough that God should have said, mm, how could I have overlooked you? <laughs> where, where have you been? Um, if you look at the pattern of the Bible, you know, right now I'm thinking loud, my brain is loudly screaming, Moses. Moses was not qualified. Moses didn't feel qualified, and that's what qualified him, right? Where you don't feel that you are up to the, the task. Maybe that is way more indicative of you being the, the, the person God can use because you will not bring self-confidence, self-sufficiency into the mix. You will bring what, the attitude of Solomon when he was made king and he prayed that prayer I am but a little child. I cannot lead your people. And God is saying, um, actually, you believing that, you meaning 
every word you just said has qualified you. So as a leader, especially if you are a successful leader, um, I think we need to develop enough good friends, good friendships that in a loving, redemptive way, just like we talked in previous podcasts, will bring a level of accountability so that they will keep our heads uh, from becoming too big for our bodies. Um, Paul does mention that, doesn't he? When he prayed for God to remove the thorn from his flesh and God said, um, no, uh, my grace is sufficient. And Paul says, "I, I understand why. So that the revelation that I received would not inflate me to not give opportunity for the adversary to seduce me and lead me away from the Lord and keep me humble, humility. Um, we, we talked, you know, we're going to segue now um, because Paul did not stay that way. The, the Bible does highlight they were not perfect, but the beauty of the scriptures and what gives us hope is Paul and Mark and Barnabas did not stay like this the rest of the narrative throughout the rest of their history. The Bible does speak beautifully about how Barnabas took Mark under his wing. Uh, it did split up Paul and Barnabas to go separate ways. But Barnabas invested in Bar- in Mark to the point where Paul, in the end, values him, recon- is reconciled to Mark, and values Mark's contribution to the ministry. And, and there's a thought here, right? It's a powerful, beautiful thought that, you know, you have um, more visible types of ministries and we tend to put a lot of weight or a lot of value in those things. But look at Barnabas. Barnabas spent quite a bit of time in Mark, probably years, trying to build up his confidence. He felt guilty. And he probably felt, you know, that Paul was right and he did not deserve, you know, he should never be set foot in that direction ever again. And here comes Barnabas trying to convince him otherwise. Um, his restoration into the ministry would not have happened without Barnabas' discipleship and mentoring of mercy and compassion. And you could call it, I wrote this down as, as if, if Barnabas wanted to call his ministry something, you know, like uh, we have a, Dor- a Dorcas uh, or those many pathfinders. If Barnabas wanted to call his ministry something, he would call it the ministry of second chances, Right. He was willing to not simply accept Mark back. He knew that if he did not invest time, effort of himself, Mark would never come back. But Barnabas' investment had tremendous fruit because Mark not only came back, but became a formidable help for Paul towards the end of his life. You know, I think about that and I think how consistent the Bible is Barnabas was mimicking the heart of God. Uh, there's a uh, when I first started um, pastoring at Oakwood, I preached a series on the book of Jonah, and there's a sermon I never got to preach, and uh, maybe I'll preach it in its fullness. Um, a, but right now, I'm going to give you the synthesis of it. Um, Jonah, because I went chapter by chapter; it's only four chapters long, and in the fourth chapter, you have this ministry of second chances. It's not there. You see it completed in the Gospels. But you have this um, beginning and ending of Jonah. It begins with Jonah being able to come to Nineveh, and many people are saved through his preaching. But it begins with him at the lowest point possible any believer, much less a prophet, could find themselves in. 
he gets, uh, because of his rebellion and disobedience, he gets into this boat, a huge storm, they cast him off, and he gets swallowed by a fish, and he gets into the depths of the earth. And you can't get any lower than that dark place where this whole thing is just one big emblem of how much Jonah has failed God. He has done what Mark has done and then some, right? He has deserted the mission. He has moved away from God. But in the Gospels, when Jesus speaks about, you know, this generation asking for a sign, he says no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he mentions two things, the preaching of Jonah and Jonah being in the fish. When you go back to the book of Jonah, the sermon Jonah preached was horrible. There was no mercy. There was no desire in his heart. He, he was hoping no one would listen to him and that they would perish. And he became angry that people repented. I mean, it is, uh, I don't want to say it's humorous. It's heartbreakingly, it does have a bit of, you know, irony there, a humongous amount of irony that a preacher of the gospel would be upset that people actually accept his call and invitation and are saved. Yet Jonah does that crazy thing. You know, every Sabbath, I'm like, Lord, soften the hearts when I do evangelistic series. Lord, please uh, infuse conviction in these hearts that people may respond. And I'm happy when one person says yes, right? And here's the entire nation says yes. And Jonah is angry. Yet Jesus redefines, recolors this and focuses on the effective results. And it says, that will be a sign of me. And much more so, the lowest point of Jonah's life, being swallowed by the fish in the darkness of the, the depth of the sea, Jesus says, that will be a symbol of me dying for the human race. Jesus, through his grace, restores Jonah's life, restores Jonah's experience so that what becomes the greatest failures in Jonah's experience gets redeemed to point and be useful to point to Jesus as the Redeemer of the world. Isn't that amazing? How It's not that God wants or needs our failures, but that's the amazing grace of God, that He can take the biggest failures of our past and redefine them, reapply them, re create a new meaning to those things. I look back and... It's not that God needed me to have gone into the darkness of sin and, and, and apostasy and rebellion. But when I look back, I can draw rich lessons from those failures. And so in that sense, they get redeemed by the grace of God. And they help me point people to Jesus. And I can be honest and transparent. And, and part of my journey can help someone that may find themselves in a similar place to have hope. It's amazing how God, God has that ministry of Barnabas the second chance ministry. Um, so I want to ask you a question, right? These are beautiful thoughts, and uh, we don't want to leave them at just that, just beautiful thoughts, and I have a question for you. We have marks in our church, don't we? We have lists. Every single church has lists of marks. We don't call them, there may be some literal marks there, but what I mean by that, the, the marks that desert the church, we have a list of members that, haven't shown up to church for years. Members who used to be Pathfinder leaders, right? Members who used to be elders, even head elders. 
maybe we have individuals that have done great things for the church and something has happened and they have deserted the church they have done the jonah thing they've gone opposite so what are we going to do right mark paul things get hairy there's pressure the mission is very difficult it's not for the faint of heart and mark gets shaky and abandons paul and barnabas when they needed him most what what did what did they do well paul of course reacted the way he did but barnabas barnabas went after him are you willing to do that would god would you be willing to do that if god placed that desire that conviction that burden in your heart because you know at oakwood and monroe and whatever church you belong to i don't need to tell you who you might know used to come but doesn't anymore and I see the list in the churches that I pastored, and they're quite long. They're quite long, heartbreakingly long. But you know what is more heartbreaking? How few Barnabases we have in our churches. Because it takes a lot of effort to bring someone back to the Lord. But is it worth it? The Bible tells us it is. The Bible tells us that a restored friendship is worth anything. Jesus said it, you know, no greater love has anyone than this, that he would be willing to lay down his life for his friends. I'm going to appeal to you that you do not allow your heart to be comfortable sitting in the pew in church when you can look over at the pew where sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so sat there for years and they are no longer there. Can you sit comfortably in church and simply say, oh well, I hope we can baptize new people to replace that spot? What if, right, what if we invested like Barnabas did? How many of the people that have left the church, that have deserted the church, that have done a Jonah, how many of those could we reclaim? And wouldn't we be acting like Jesus? Does not Jesus have a ministry of second chances? Have you not been given a second chance? I hope that you will listen to this lesson because it is a lesson of response. How will you respond to today's lesson? Can you begin praying for someone? Can you begin praying for individuals that you know used to be and no longer are? And would you be willing to be a Barnabas to them? I am praying for you.